I don't know if Carol told you, but I am going to, um, I want to focus on what's going on now. Obviously, your rich history is well-documented. And I'm not sure if she told you much about Retro Lovely, but we do, it's a pinup magazine. And of course, with pinup, a lot of that uh, caters to the to the 50s and the 60s. And of course, music is a big part of that. So okay, sure. that's that's why I feel you're relevant. And I really want to like uh, expose you to even more of our audience. Okay. We have a younger audience. And I think they need to know even more about what's going on for, for Tommy James. So okay. that said, the real reason that I'm, I'm talking to you is I am fantastically obsessed with your book. You know, it's been out since 2011 or so. And uh-huh. it seems to me right now there's things afoot that the motion picture that's based on it are coming together. I'm seeing names thrown around that are impressive, the kinds of names mm-hmm. that you know this is a serious project. Absolutely. So just for the sake of it, I do have some notes here. We've got some serious talent. We've got the producer, Barbara Defina, if I'm pronouncing that right. Yes. She's responsible for some of my favorite movies, Goodfellas, yes, Casino, indeed. The Grifters. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, this is serious. Because honestly, when I listen to your book on Audible or I read it, it is so visually compelling. And for that era and for your ties to the, uh, you know, the ties for uh, roulette records to the mafia, um, it feels sure. like it can translate to a movie like like she's so well uh, versed in creating. Absolutely. And she's this, you know, she's this, this petite little thing about maybe maybe five feet tall. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, you would n- never in a million years guess her for doing these kind of movies. <laughs> she's a pretty little thing, and she is just smart as hell. You don't ever want to play poker with this chick. Oh, really? She is amazing. Yeah, I, I was just reading um, her association with. I mean, she was married to Scorsese for a time. I mean, so that's so, right. So right that's there, right. got to be somebody that's sharp. And I've Absolutely. seen a reference that she has been <laughs> critical for some of the key components and some of the key, uh, you know, the reasons that these things have been so successful. Like they actually give her credit where it's due that she's really responsible for a lot of those things that we that we love about those things. That's um, that's true, and she is. Um, of course, she knows everybody, but the. Uh, She's really very tough. She's a great negotiator, Excellent. and she has uh, just a million-dollar personality, and she's fun. Awesome. Now, there's other names associated with it right now that are equally eye-opening. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got a screenplay by Matt Stone, and when I saw that, my right. head exploded because I'm a huge fan of his works from the early, early days. And sure. recently, he's done things that are sort of outside the box of what got him started that's impressive as anything. So, Sure. Right there, there's and a- I'll tell you, screenplay writing is really a, quite a. I'm very impressed because uh, you know they have to uh, tell the same story but a whole different narrative. They have to tell the story with uh, log rather than just telling the story, oh, exactly. uh, like you do in a book. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult. And uh, uh, his screenplay is really great. And Kathleen Marshall is uh, is directing. Her. Yes, also. Uh, another big heavy hitter. So the thing right there is like between the three of them alone and then you, okay, we got, we got four names that will go down in the history books. You just know when we get to the part of, of casting for this thing, those names are going to draw uh, talent. This is going to be the sort of oh, thing sure. that, that people pay attention to and that big names would say, yeah, I'd like to be involved with these people just because of their history. Absolutely. So I truly believe that. In the scheme of things, as you see movies um, you know, come to fruition, it feels like you're getting close to that point where we're going to start talking about casting and, and production and everything else. Do that you, is correct. Do you have a sense of a timeline? 
I think we're looking at another, oh, probably 18 months to two years. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Uh, you know, uh, things are shut down pretty much now in in Hollywood because oh, of sure. the uh, virus, of course. Mm -hmm. But um, they're beginning to open up now. You know, I, uh, <laughs> the reason I know that is because uh, I have a, a, you know, Sony represents me in films and TV, and so it represents our catalog, because mm -hmm. they publish uh, all, basically all the roulette. Right. And, um, uh, you know, they, they, they represent me in for sync licensing uh, for films, and we're starting to do sync licenses again. So that's how you know that uh, Hollywood is opening up. You know, it's interesting what you say right there. So many of my favorite movies... I can't watch them and not hear your voice. I can't watch them and not hear a Tommy James and the Sean We've Hill been song. so fortunate. We really have been very blessed. It's that, phenomenal. Uh, Sony has done a tremendous job for me, and I uh, really appreciate them. You know, they've become the number one music publisher in the world. Wow. They have. They own, you know, RCA, BMG, uh, EMI. Uh, they have, uh, you know, it's been the the big fish eating the smaller ones, mm -hmm. and finally they have the the largest uh, a group of of copyrights in the entire world. That's amazing. It's just amazing. That is amazing. And, and they work up, they work them like they're a hungry young publisher. They're really good. Well, see, that's that's impressive too, because again, going back to your book, I mean, in the early days with Roulette and Morris Levy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You, I went from the worst to the best. You, you now have a situation where you can kind of get a sense of what's going on instead of just a shell game of like, oh, well, we're not selling much or you owe us money, and, you know, all the, right. the usual. That's it's a, right. It's a different age entirely. Now, just as a, a, a slight aside, that's something that I do feel when I'm in the book and you're talking about the book. You've referenced mm -hmm. a few times that you feel if you were just another artist on another label, you might not have had the the success of the history that you did because of the fact that with roulette it was pretty much you were their star you had you well the shop that's that is true i uh, what basically happened is uh, when uh, we got a yes from all of the companies when hanky panky exploded out of uh, pittsburgh and mm -hmm. i came to new york to sell the master this back in 1966 and we got a yes from cbs rca atlantic uh Kamasutra, remember Kamasutra oh, sure. Records? Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so, uh, you know, I went to bed that night feeling really good <laughs> and uh, started getting calls the next morning uh, from all the companies that had said yes, uh, saying, listen, we got to pass. And I said, what are you talking about? And finally, Jerry Wexler up at Atlantic told me the truth that Morris Levy, the head of Roulette, had called all the other companies and scared them to death and backed them down. This is, he says, this is my artist. Back off. That's you know how what? he talked. And I'll, I'll tell you, I don't know how much, how much behind the scenes goes on with this sort of thing, but two things um, that I noticed recently, and I thought of you immediately. Well, one, because they named you, but um, I was watching the series. I, I finally watched the series on HBO called Vinyl. And of course, oh, yeah. Scorsese was involved with that as well as Mick Jagger, yeah. uh, executive producer capacity. Well, there were right. several times in that that series where it's about you know the '70s record industry, and you've got this guy has a has a label and he's selling it, he's not selling it. But there's also like some mafioso connection. Oh, and definitely. I, I several like, times I think I heard them say like, "Hey, could you help me with that Tommy James thing?" And <laughs> that tied with your book. I'm just like, "Oh shit, there it is." 
There it is. They're they're right. Well, you know, Hash on the Sopranos exactly was Moish. That's what they call him. Morris Levy was Moish, and I know Jerry Adler. I met him and became friendly with him, and he knew that it was Morris Levy when they were doing the series. (laughs) He he figured it out. Isn't that something? No. But I was going to I was going to tell you that that um, uh, if we had gone with one of the corporate labels, right? That we could have, we'd have probably been lucky to be a one-hit wonder, especially with a record like Hanky Panky. Well, wasn't that sort of the music industry, like they would sign bands just to see if they would become anything? Like, oh, you know what, they're good enough, let's sign them, we'll get the single out, and, and let them work it out on their own. Sure I mean, they, they did. Really they could them. afford to do it. Sure. Yeah, they could afford to do it back then because uh, singles were, were it. cheap to produce, and, uh, and the model for the music business was you put out a single first, and if it made any noise... You did an album mm-hmm. uh, that contained another single. So, uh, in other words, you didn't even spend the money to record an album until mm-hmm. you knew you had a market for it. Right. That all changed in the seventies. Right. With the day well, in the late sixties, really. Right. And you transitioned pretty well to that. You actually um, managed to stay relevant in that new sort of format. Thank you. It was uh, well, you know, Crimson and Clover Huge. gave us the mm-hmm. second half of our career because. Uh, we started selling albums at that point. Mm-hmm, exactly, and that exactly. was a that was a huge move when the industry, basically starting with the Sgt. Pepper album, uh, went from singles to albums. That happened in 1968, and uh, you know we had gone out we had gone out on the road with Hubert Humphrey for the political convention, uh, uh, campaign, right. and we left in August. And when we left. You know, the big acts were like the Rascals, the Association, Mitch Ryder, all singles acts. Mm-hmm. We came back 90 days later. It was Joe Cocker, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Led Zeppelin, um, uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, you know, all album acts. Right. So the industry in 90 days turned upside down. That was and that, we was were that very, fast? very. Wow. Huh? It was that quick. It was 90 days. Yes. We were very, very lucky to be working on Crimson and Clover at that moment, because Crimson and Clover then allowed us, I can't think of any other single we ever did that would have allowed us to make that transition from singles, top 40 uh, radio, to FM progressive album rock, uh, like Crimson and Clover did. It was now, it was quite remarkable. Wasn't it also the, the Humphrey uh, tour that you did when you were with, with the candidate? Um, mm-hmm. You actually turned down some shows in the UK to go on yeah, the road with him. Yeah, got in big trouble for it, too. And they basically kind of like shunned you after that. Like, there was a, yes, a quite a period did. of time where you were not heard on the, on the, on the British radio. That's exact. In fact, I'm doing a lot of interviews with, uh, with England right now because uh, they've just celebration. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that? No, I don't think I am. Celebration is a, uh, a box set of all of our roulette recordings. Oh, 14 no. albums worth. I think on I've, six. I think I've backed uh, into that on uh, with with Apple's music. I think I have. <laughs> yeah, on on six CDs. They've just released it, and they're importing it in the United States and all around the world. But uh, I'm doing a lot of interviews with them because of that, and I'm telling the story of what happened with with because uh, they all ask me that question: What happened? How come the uh, how come Moni Moni was the only uh, was the only uh, top ten record over right. here, and I, I I told them the reason was that uh, when we went on the Humphrey campaign, you know, we were supposed to go over and do a, a tour, and um, and uh, Top of the Pops TV show, which was all BBC, 
And when we uh, basically had to back away from that and do the Humphrey campaign, we couldn't do both. Mm -hmm. um, They got very upset with us and dropped the rest of our records. Wow. And got really, really pissed <laughs> off at it. Apparently, and uh, and uh, you know I don't blame them, but the, you know the fact was that 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 was the reason. So now all this stuff is getting played again over there. Isn't that amazing? It's it's uh, going to be a rush of stuff. And it's it's interesting too because I guess for a lot of the audience there, for them there's been a well, I mean in recent years they've of course they've had access to it, but it's almost as if you were away and 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 now they get to re-experience it all. Which is well, that's cool. right. That's very true. Going to be fun. Going to be interesting to watch. That's that's awesome. And you know, in, in the entirety of it, another thing from the book. Um, and here's the thing: I've actually seen you perform exactly once, um, a club in uh, Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, called uh, Penn's Peak. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. I have, I have to tell you, I compliment you. You <laughs> love your audience, and it shows. And. I think, you know, it seems to me you get a lot of satisfaction from that interaction. When I read the book, sure. of course. The, well, the audience, you know, listen, the fans are the, are the, are the reason you're doing all this. Mm-hmm. And I, I truly believe that uh, the, our relationship with the fans is the most important part of all this. Mm-hmm. You know, without that, what do you have? Exactly. And... Uh, They've been awfully good to us over the years. So, you know, this is a business that maybe gives you two or three years, and we've been doing it for, geez, 55 years. And it seems like in recent years it's been more on your terms. Like I think about in the book where you talk about turning in your assignment of the next single, and then the process starts all over again. You didn't have time to breathe or enjoy it. it well, like- that's, that's quite true. At a certain point, your body of work becomes the issue mm-hmm. rather than the individual Song. tracks right. and uh i mean you got to do both but you know we put out an album last year called alive right and uh and uh you went top 20 uh with the album uh ac and went uh, top 20 with both of the singles we released with. so it's now, great I'm, to be back on the charts especially billboard i'm really curious too for that album there's a track on there one hell of a ride uh-huh. i'm curious who's the vocalist on that and that's me it is you <laughs> Yeah. Wow, you sound it's a, so different. It's a rap. It's a, it's a yeah. you know, it's it's not yeah. Oh, I we'd like to put that fantastic. in the movie. I'd love for that I, to be you know the what? theme when song. When I heard it, I thought this has got to be something that's destined for the movie. Yeah. Totally, totally. Well, that and the, <laughs> the acoustic version of I think we're alone now. I, I'm not mistaken. I don't know if it's in the book or if I read it someplace, but your intention is that would be a a closing track for the, the closing movie. credits for the right. scene. It was also one of the singles we released. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, and um uh, uh, went, uh, you know, top 20 AC. But I mean, the, the point is that we, when we did that, we had it in mind for, for the, the film. Excellent. Yeah. And I, I think it's going to work great. Now, did I read and just again on the film, um, did I read that you're actually going to be involved, of course, for the story, but also as a technical advisor with regards sure. to the, um, let's say the, the, the window dressings, um, the instruments, the, you know, what would be period. Absolutely. Period. That's fantastic. I love that to death. I, I, Cause you know, so many sixties movies dude. when they, yes. when they talk about the sixties, they get it wrong. Yes. That's because very few people are still alive. Well, uh, but then again, but, if you're a historian or you study, like I, I watch 
probably once a year I watch the Buddy Holly story because Buddy Holly was a huge inspiration for me. Sure. And there's points in the me movie too. where he's he's holding a, a guitar that didn't exist, and you just get yes. you get kind of mad, you know. So and there's a lot of people, believe me, there's a lot of geeks like me out there who dude. who notice all that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm in the same camp. Um, yes. I'll tell you now. I don't know if you've seen the movie. It's about um, Brian Wilson from the from the Beach Boys. It's called Love, sure. Love and Mercy. It's I always, haven't seen it, but I've, I've seen pieces of it. I'll tell you what. Um, there's some scenes where they basically recreate the sessions when they were doing Pet Sounds. And yeah. they're, they're in whatever the studios were in California at the time. Um, but I'm looking at it, and there's like the Wrecking Crew. And you're like, oh, there's 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 K on bass, and there's there's Al Blaine. Right. And you just you, you can tell who the people are. But then I look at the instrumentations and the equipment, and like down to the mic stands. It's like, yeah. wow. <laughs> That mic stand's worth a thousand dollars because you can't. Did they get it right? It is. It is amazing if you appreciate. Oh, detail. that's great. Well, that's so important. Yeah. You know, when I go, especially if you have any scenes inside the control booth. Oh yeah. You know, you know, you want the old Altec six hundred four speakers that were. <laughs> yes. You know, you want you want a board that isn't too fancy. It has knobs. You know, but you need. Fingers, yeah. yeah, you need you need equipment that is uh, that is is authentic to the time. Well, as a fellow musical historical nerd, um, I was excited yes. when I read that because I thought, yes, they're not going to mess that up. It's not going to. And I'm proud of it. Oh, dude, I'm so happy for that. That is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, listen, that's that's fantastic. Now, um, I could talk to you all day, but I know you have other things to do, so I'm not going to bend your ear. Um, but this this point, um, as far as following you, um, of course, you have a website. Yeah, people can sign up for. I believe you do a newsletter. Um, but you also sure. have a radio show on Sirius XM, correct? That's right. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and all over social media. Excellent. Uh, I have a show that I do called Getting Together every Sunday on Sirius, on, uh, Sirius, uh, Sirius XM, 60s on 6. Excellent. And um, we're on from 5 to 8 Eastern Time. Where are you, by the way? I'm in Pennsylvania. So oh. I'm, I'm just uh, a couple hours away for, I think you're in, you're somewhere in New Jersey. Is that right? I'm in New Jersey. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, but, uh, every week, uh, I love doing the show that we've, this is, we just did our third anniversary show. Oh, killer. Killer. So we've been doing it for a long time and they're very good to me. They let me play anything I want. And, um, uh, basically the philosophy of the show is that they're in addition to the hits, there's so much music from the '60s that there was no room for right. on the charts or on the right. radio. That 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 you know there was so much great music being created during the 1960s, uh, even by name acts that you know didn't have a chance, right. uh, and songs that should have been hits that weren't, and a lot of stuff that never even got heard. So we 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 play stuff like that in that's, addition. That's amazing. I'll tell you what, I actually give uh, Quentin Tarantino and Scorsese credit. There's a lot of their soundtracks that have exposed me to music that I wasn't aware of. And, Is that right? Uh, absolutely. And from what you're talking about, I think I, I think I need to get a serious uh, subscription and, and tune well, in. That would be Sunday. great. Please do. Got to do it. Wilson, awesome. Um, uh, one final thing. Um, I did mention that I saw you perform at a place called Penn's Peak. In, uh, sure. The address is Jim Thorpe. Um, there's actually a show... Uh, coming up, because I know, of course, with COVID, you've had tons of things rescheduled, um, which has got to be, that has to be depressing. Um, well, you know something? I've kind of enjoyed the time off for the first six months, and then it got to be really a pain in the ass. It's a love-hate thing. Because, you're, you're, you're I'm, you know, I, I want to get out and mix it up with the fans again. It's really tough. Yeah. 
Well, listen, they have they have you on their calendar for Saturday, October twenty third. Now of of this year, of this year, it's, it's very possible we can do that. Now here's the thing: I'm not sure what the laws are going to be or what we're going to be at that point in time. But right, one of my brothers. Um, I have two brothers, and quite frankly, they're the reason I know about you, because I inherited their 45s. And just like in the book, I memorized all those labels. I memorized the roulette label, and I remember we had was a lot of Lari, Kama Sutra, we had those. Um, Uh That's how I was exposed to you, the the 45s that my brothers had. And my one brother, when I was was talking about this, he said, just tell Tommy, I wore out, I can't tell you how many 8-tracks in my cars playing his his 8-tracks. So I just want to get that Absolutely. in Absolutely. Here's the thing. Well, it's, go ahead. We, we have secured at Penn's Peak one of their, they call them the skybox. Basically, in the balcony, there's a section where they have like a, a private area for a number of people that they have a little lounge and they do catering. We've uh-huh. actually secured a skybox. And what I'm going to do with uh, Retro Lovely, with the magazine, I'm going to give away two tickets for somebody in our audience to come and join us at that event on the 23rd. Oh, nice. Provided everything, you know, doesn't get messed up. Are you close to Penn's Peak? I'm about 45 Physically? minutes from there. Yeah. You know, isn't that a beautiful little place? It's a gorgeous place. And I was actually isn't talking about that magnificent on top of the little mountain and Well, anyway, listen, if you got I hope you got what you needed from this. Oh my god, are you kidding me? I appreciate your time. In fact, I don't Okay, know. if you need any if you need any more, you just let us know. I'll I'll tell you what, if we can do something again in the future, that'd be fantastic. Um That if, sounds great. If I can never do anything uh, to thank you guys in return, I do uh photography, graphics design, um I've done some video and audio editing. I've I've been in the music business. Oh, really? Um, not, okay. Not heavy. I mean, uh, I was you know, it's interesting in your book you talk about working at the the spinet at the yeah. record shop. I spent right. about 13 years in music retail selling guitars and pianos and you name it. So Is that right? That's a, a great little, place to learn your business. I had a little demo studio. I got to meet some industry people. In fact, um, a very, just one quick story. You talk about paying attention to the labels. Um, I remember uh-huh. one day, the owners of the store, they brought in a sales rep for one of the companies. I don't know if it was Fender or who it was. I'm like, this is Dan Gold. He's, he's our new sales rep with, with XYZ Company. Um, uh-huh. And they, they knew I was, you know, I'm a musician, I'm a songwriter too. And they said, uh, Dance. Oh, are you really? What do you oh, play? Um, you know, I play a bit of everything. I play with yeah. things. I'm not a good instrumentalist. Like, I'm not going to solo and wow you. Join the club. But I have produced and recorded songs that are on iTunes that people in other countries have heard and, t- you know, email me about. So mm-hmm. on, on a very light capacity, I've, I've kind of been in your shoes. You know, I, so many things in the, in the book resonated with me because of that. Sure. Like the time when you talk about being 12 years old playing on school nights and then to have yep. your parents ask you to stop drinking when you're out. Well, <laughs> yes. when I was 13 or 14, my, my father had just passed away. I was in a band and I played oh, with yeah. a band and we're at a local bar and I didn't know this, but we started our set and then somewhere in the middle, this, this dancer comes out, the stripper uh-huh. and she was gifted. If you know what I mean. And <laughs> she started to take her clothes off and she had the, the pasties with the tassels and she yeah. started working them like a, like a propeller. And you know, I, you my, were what? 14, maybe 13, 14. I'm like, you know, just my head is like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, I don't know if it was the very next day. Yeah, it probably was the next day or no, it was two days later in the morning. My mom, she says to me, so how was that show the other night? Oh, good. <laughs> really? Everything was okay. Yeah. Anything you want to tell me? Uh, no, Here's the the thing. I live in a small town. Everybody knows you. She knew, right? Somebody ID'd me and told her about the dancer. (laughs) 
Yeah. But yeah. Back to you and looking at labels and studying who did what, who was the producer, where was it recorded? Um, in this music store, they introduced me to Dan Gold. And they say, oh, his sister is a songwriter, too. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him dead and I said, your sister's not Julie Gold, is it? And he looked at me and he lit up. And he's like, how do you know that? How'd you know that? Yeah. I said, she wrote Wind Beneath My Wings by Bette Midler, which at the time was like right. maybe three or four years old and was a huge hit. And he just right. couldn't, he couldn't thank me enough for just knowing who she was because they very often people gloss over some of the talent that's behind the industry that isn't necessarily right in front of the, the microphone or the, sure. the camera. Sure. And, uh, Again, a lot of the things in the in the book, I was just like... I well, you know, you, you, the database of information that you end up with in your head, right? You, you start collecting when you're 12 and 13 years old, well, when you have your first record collection, for mm-hmm. God's sake. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, st- I'm still using things today on the radio at Sirius that I learned in, in when I was nine years old and that, with my record collection. How about that? Because I, I, I read my, my record collection, I read the information on the labels mm-hmm. like other kids were reading baseball cards. And you know what? The thing it was back then, like you, you talked about spending your allowance on the records. When, yeah. we, when we used to have to buy records and we used to have to buy albums, it wasn't like, like you could turn on Spotify and listen to a million songs. Back then, right. that was an investment and you wanted to get oh, the most yeah. out of it. Oh, yeah, and you, you read parties. every piece of information on the, on the, on yeah. the jacket and on You'd the label. you bring friends and... over and they'd spill something on the label and like years later you look at that and say, oh, that's when my, my buddy John dropped a, yeah, a cigarette right. on that, right? You uh, remember those right. things and it's part of that fabric of your life and today, I think, unfortunately, with the immediacy of some of the things, because here's the thing, I was actually talking to somebody. He was a radio, uh, a radio promoter. He was a DJ, but he was yeah. also he also was involved in radio. And right. he, I was actually working with him on a project recently. And he's working with the artist, and he's going over the music. And one of the first big things was he's from the old days where songs couldn't be longer than three minutes. Okay, right. So you know we're reworking the arrangements to get them down to three minutes. But then the next thing was, and this is like a modern thing. Um, he was very big on us getting something within the first ten seconds. Like, imagine so many yes. classes, like even, even Crimson and Clover, the way it starts, okay? Right. People can identify that probably within a half a second at this point. Something memorable up front because now more than ever, kids are just on their phone. They're on Spotify or whatever, Pandora or, or iTunes. If you don't catch them in the first five seconds, they're on to the next thing. They're right. They're right. But they're, listen, that's how record people are too. People yeah. execs at record companies. Absolutely. You got to clobber them over the head in the first few seconds uh, to get them to listen to the rest of the record. Uh, and the, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that is, you had to keep that in mind. And I would also say songs on the radio. I got a great education with, I think we're alone now hmm. about making, uh, making records for AM radio. Mm-hmm. because uh, a lot of times the jocks wanted to talk over your intro as they're introducing your song, <laughs> and you had to leave a little space for that, to, for their ego, and then you, as you say, all the rules, making records that are under three minutes, mm-hmm. all of that, the shorter your record was, the the, the, the more it got played. The more likely they did. And, and all that stuff, you know, you got to learn that stuff. We, we weren't writing songs, we were writing records. Yes. That was a huge difference. 
Well, with the, with the time thing too, wasn't there a famous story about how, was it Phil Spector? Um, he was producing, I think the Righteous Brothers and uh, you lost this loving feeling was actually on the label. They mislabeled it so that the DJs wouldn't pass it over. It was actually over three minutes. Hey, absolutely. And, I listen, sweet cherry wine. I didn't put four and a half minutes. I put three ninety. You devil. <laughs> three ninety on the on the DJ copies. You I'm not kidding. Devil, devil. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I had one track once on a compilation, and uh, my forte was more of like a, a subgenre of rock, uh, gothic industrial stuff. And uh -huh. I had a track that I did a remix of, and this label in California, they were putting it on a compilation, and they came back to me and they said, uh, "This is like five minutes and thirty seconds." Could you make it five? And, you know, I tweaked my edit a little bit, but what I did was I rearranged it so that when it got to about five minutes, it was kind of like in the refrain. But at that point, I had this really tasty um, outro with some percussion and piano and some moody things that was really nice. Mm -hmm. And I sent it back to them and I said, look, here you go. Here's this take. If you want, if you really want this at five minutes, you can, you can fade it out. And, and land on five minutes exactly if you, if you want. I said, but if you listen to it and give it a give it a really good consideration, I think you'll agree that that ending needs to be there. And Put sure four fifty eight. <laughs> well, four fifty eight, just so they see the four. Well, I'll I'll tell you, I won out because when it finally came out, it was the full five. It was my full my full intention. It was the full five thirty. Right. So I was very excited that I that I kind of won the the argument. Good for you. That, but. <laughs> But listen. I hope. Listen. If you seriously, if you need anything more, call Carol or, uh, and she'll call me, and we'll we'll get together again. Excellent. I appreciate it, and I hope to see you on the twenty third. And what I'll do is, I'll package this up and I'll get it to her for review, and then she could give it, you know, the blessing to make sure that everything. Yeah, come up like to it. me. You know, remind me who it is, so oh, I, sure. I'll I'll remember you. Absolutely. I appreciate it, Tom. Okay. Thank you so much. You take care. Thanks, take care. Mark. Take bye bye.